All right, Bizzlecast listeners, welcome to Jessica Jones, Season 1, Episode 3, a.k.a. It's Called Whiskey. We've had two amazing episodes so far, and this show just keeps getting better. Um, opening theme music and title arts, all-time great. I watch every time, as I mentioned. So, a little background information about Jessica Jones. Um, in terms of both the comic book character, um, as well as the TV property here on Netflix, Jessica Jones was created in 2001, just a couple months um, after 9-11, and it was called Alias. That's why it's called Alias Investigations. did pretty well. It's very hard to find. Um, I can't even find it on digital comics. Um, but then she reappeared... Uh, in a series called The Pulse in, like, the mid-2000s. Um, I believe it was, yeah, 04 to 06, um, which brought her into the wider universe. You know, you had, uh, you know, some Spider-Man stuff going on, uh, Luke Cage, um, The Secret War, you know, she starts to meet the Avengers, becomes a a team um, becomes part of a team of like new Avengers or something. So here we go. We've already had one sex scene, which is more than all the rest of the Marvel universe combined. And that was before they knew they had superpowers Um, or before they knew that each other had superpowers. Now they know we have another rough sex scene. You know, it's great. You got comparative strength powers in in the sexual context. Um, and so you can have rough sex because it's rough coming from both sides. It's not just, uh, you know, the man or whatever. Oh, breaking glass. So here's another hardcore sex scene. And they did it great in the series. You know, one wouldn't have been enough to establish the connection. Um, and... If they had too many more than this, it would have got. Um, if they had too many more of these, it would have gotten gratuitous eventually. So they did it right here, and you have a variation of the opening theme or part of the opening theme as he fucks her against the wall. Um, you have to imagine that uh, she hasn't been quite satisfied like this in a while. In fact, this is probably the first guy she's had sex with since Kilgrave. I could be wrong, but, you know, normally rape victims, e- even ones as strong as uh, as Jessica. Um. <laughs> oh, man. The twits. Um. Right, she says, I've never done it with someone else who has superpowers. Gifts. So this is always the thing with the, uh, you know, the various Marvel properties, is that, you know, the X-Men are superpowered because they have a gene, right? Anyone in sort of the Avengers universe, which this is sort of an extended part of, has superpowers because of an experiment gone wrong or a toxic oil spill. I mean, Daredevil, you know, he gets his powers as a kid. He's blinded by toxic um, uh, liquid in, in a crash, but that also gives him his powers. We find out later on in this series that Jessica was experimented on. Um, I think Luke says he was experimented on. You know, I, I prefer the mutant model. It's, it's a much shorter distance between two points. Like, just have them be born with it. Because, you know, Cap had to have the super serum. Now, with Cap and the super serum... Oh, this is great. Right. He's he's like, can you fly? And she goes, it's more like jumping than falling. And later in the series, she describes it as, you know, a controlled fall, essentially. Which totally works with her character. She leaps without looking and just hopes that it ends up okay. Now, they're having talk about special people, gifted people. As I was saying, you know... The Avengers and X-Men, it gets parallel. There's plenty of crossovers over the years. Right? Not like us. So, you know, the mutants are gifted because they're born with it. These guys are gifted because they were experimented on or in an accident. Oh, here it is. We Right. Yep, accident. Yep. 
experiment right jessica thinks it's a, an accident at this point that, that the car triggered it uh the car crash that killed her family triggered it um but it's not the case yeah him talking about the noose you know i mean that could come from any mutant or special person gifted person but you know being a black guy as well he's got you know two crosshairs on his his back unfortunately yeah they're talking about being heroes the hero gig been there done that i gave it a shot once yeah tell me there was a costume and that you still got it yeah and that's why jess is never gonna have a costume i hope she can have her outfit but not her costume you get points for doing good she doesn't believe that yeah you know she she thinks she's such a horrible person even though the worst thing she did killing someone was under kill grave uh under kill grave spell they have great chemistry these two um, I, 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 my culture took a little while to warm up, um, too, for me, uh, but it didn't take that long, just because of the chemistry. Oh, they're gonna have sex again here? Uh, oh, man, that's great. Yeah, we know they're gonna end up together. I mean, even I, who didn't know very much about the comics, the one thing I knew was that Luke Cage was married to Jessica Jones. Okay, so now we have three hardcore sex scenes. <laughs> They're breaking the bed. Three hardcore sex scenes in three episodes, two in the same episode, within, you know, ten minutes of each other. I can't believe they're doing this. Uh, you know. But, you know, they they really can relate. I mean, they've got the sexual attraction, obviously, but with the superpower thing, it's like, you know, not that many people to relate to. They've you know, expressed um, the knowledge of, uh, you know, that they know that there are others like them out there. So, right, whenever you have a show like this and things are going good um, and you know horrible things are going to happen, up oh, there's Reva. Yeah, the character looks at a mirror and it's quiet. You know something terrible is going to happen. Now, in this case, we, we know she's going to look... Um, she can't stop thinking about the picture. Yeah, she died bus crash. And I think the first time I saw this, I was still sort of mentally piecing together what was you know what what happened. And in fact, the reason the bus swerved was because the driver was drunk. As you know, we find out. Um, but also, he was. You know, the bus driver was swerving, I believe, to miss Riva's body on the ground. He didn't know that she was dead. And then it, in swerving, hit Kilgrave, and Jessica got free and almost killed Kilgrave, or should have killed Kilgrave. That's why this is so rewatchable, because the dialogue and character stuff, you know, on its own with the humor, you, you just never get enough of, of Jessica's uh, sarcastic humor and all the supporting characters. Um, but, uh, there's also a lot of plot points that are revealed early that you don't know are being revealed until much later, which is always the best way to do it. Um, it increases the rewatchability. Right. So here now, you know, <laughs> Hope Schlotman's on the, uh, local news in New York, which is never a good place to be. No one wants to be in the local news in New York. It can never be a good thing unless you're Derek Jeter who can't do anything wrong. Yeah, but at least the names Hope and Kilgrave are uh, are are in the lexicon here. <laughs> She's gonna start a fight with the with the bodega guy. Oh man, I just think about New York with bodegas. You gotta find a great bodega. We had one when I lived in uh, Park Slope, Brooklyn, in like oh five, oh six, oh seven, Fifth and Fifth, Fifth Street, Fifth Avenue, on the corner. You know, like 100 feet from our place was a great bodega owned by a bunch of uh, Yemenite guys. And uh, it was great because they had junk food, but it was like healthy junk food and they had great beer and they were really nice guys. Abraham was the lead guy who owned it. But there's a lot of assholes too. You got to find your, uh, you got to find your bodega. I don't know if that is her, you know, her quote unquote bodega, like her, her, her spot. Uh, maybe she fights with that guy all the time because that's how she treats everyone except for Trish. So now she's doing the Sufantanel research. And as I mentioned in the last episode, 
you know, having seen episode two for the first time and now watching this, say I'm watching it for the first time, I'm going, oh my God, this whole series is going to be about Sufentanel. You know, we're going to be talking about anesthesia for the whole series. Um, and it remains important, at least through the middle part of the series. Um, but it's a little bit of a red herring because ultimately, you know, she, the way she takes him down is only indirectly related to the Sufentanel. <laughs> oh, Garth. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, Hogarth says I won't get involved. If you had any balls. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Carrie Ann Moss says Hogarth is right. Jessica needs to speak out herself. You know, she's being hypocritical here. Right, yeah, it's true. She forced Hogarth to take this case, and now she's not going to help Hogarth take. Um, and now she's not going to help Hogarth win the case or, or make headway by speaking out herself. She can corroborate Hope's experience. Now, I, I think part of it, other than just shame, um, right, change public perception, victims will come forward. Other than shame, I believe Jessica's hesitancy to go public with her experience, um, or even to a wider circle outside of Hogarth and and uh, Trish, basically, has to do with the fact that she doesn't want to get uh, outed for killing Riva Luke's. Um, you know, late wife. I don't think she's scared of being locked up. I just, she doesn't want that information out there, especially because she cares for Luke so much. But if... Aw, Luke bought a new bed because they smashed the old one. Uh, You can only imagine how many, I mean, (laughs) you know, I was going to say you can imagine how many beds Luke's broken with all the ladies, um, but he couldn't really go rough until Jessica, because, you know, he can't break her. Um, so uh, now they're going to have to get ready to start buying a lot more beds. Right, and this is it. And this is, the, this is the exposition that's not exposition. We've learned over two-plus episodes that Trish knows about Kilgrave, and based on their relationship, you know, she, she knows everything. Trish knows everything. And Trish believes Jessica immediately, both because she loves her and because she knows about super her, both because she loves her and because she knows about Jessica's superpowers, and that there are people out there with superpowers. And this is the whole um, <laughs> right. Trish thinks <laughs> Trish thinks Jessica's trying to get off on the Supentanel herself, right? Yeah, and this is it. And this is Trish's this is this is Trish's door in to helping Jessica. She she immediately recognizes that Sue Fentanyl is a uh, is a game changer, you know. So in terms of the timeline, you know, they say in episode one that Jessica hasn't talked with her for six months. Now the Kilgrave thing, I think, was like a year and a half ago. <laughs> all right, yeah. Here's all the the training scars for Trish. Um, this is great. Does she? It's Krav Maga. <laughs> Bulford windows, safe room, made some upgrades. Anyways, point being, Jessica had told Trish everything about Kilgrave uh, before they stopped talking for whatever reason. What are you afraid of? <laughs> Except clowns. Oh, man. Okay, so she's going to be Shadow Cat in season two, I believe. I'll get back to that. And I'll get back to the Jessica Jones comics as well. Whoa. Uh, yep. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, she says no one lets. She says no one touches me anymore unless I want them to. Really implies that she's been, you know, sexually harassed or beaten or raped or something in the past herself. It's more than implies that she's had stalkers. You know, people seem to really have a thing for her because she was a child actor. Um, you know, weird stuff tends to happen to both child actors when they grow up and the people. You know, like with Jodie Foster and so forth, you see it. Um, oh, right. Yeah, Jessica actually has the balls to come to Hogarth's ex and try and get the Sufantanel from her. Yeah, 
this woman plays everything great. She's she's really good in the in the series. Surgical <laughs> anesthesia. I think I missed earlier work where Trish said she's taking Krav Maga, which is the Israeli martial arts. Krav Maga was invented as a very practical form of hand-to-hand self-defense taught to soldiers. Every soldier in Israel is, is taught that as part of their training. Um, but it's become somewhat uh, fashionable in the U.S. over the last decade or so just because, you know, everything becomes fashionable uh, because it's brutal and effective. And, you know, you think Israeli army, you're going, okay, if I have to pick what martial art, uh, you know, that's not like Kung Fu or whatever, uh, you think the Israeli martial arts would be the way to go. Um Oh, right. And this is Jessica starting to really screw up the situation before it escalates even more down the road. You know, she's trying to semi-blackmail, semi-bribe. What's her name? Jerry's ex here. Uh, You know, that that, that Jessica somehow could sway Jerry to to reconcile uh, with her ex-wife. Oh, this is great. I knew what this was before it happened but it's still funny writing her a script yeah <laughs> anti-psychotic it's for you right immediately diagnosed just in case <laughs> you know of course jessica's gonna keep it yeah have some anti-psychotics you know have some uh some clonopin or whatever lying around to, to mix with the whiskey yeah, this is like Cap going undercover in the hospital, and you get the, uh, um, you got the vending machine. Right, so here she's assessing how many people she can safely take out without having to kill them and without getting caught. Not sure where the calculus ultimately leads. It's too many people. Too many people to take out. Jess hits the streets. And as I talk about um, in my various Creed podcasts, you know, they really made an effort to be on the streets uh, in Philadelphia. And, you know, this is the case in Jessica Jones, even more than Daredevil. In daylight, always walking around. Okay, this is great. This is important. Malcolm, right, this this pseudo-hippie hipster pushing around Malcolm, JJ, yeah, you're a real gift to humanity, Pilates, <laughs> I wonder if that's a reference to um, when, uh, here it is, you're a good person, Jessica Jones, okay, so in terms of Malcolm's arc, uh, we learned that he's spying on her, not really by choice, <laughs> So this is the fourth passed out shot. I mean, they just keep using that shot in every episode to just show her being hungover um, from all the drinking. Um, But anyways, it's important for Malcolm uh, to say that you're a good person, even though he's working against her, against his will. Midway through the series, he starts blaming her for all the horribleness going on in their building and neighborhood and says, you know, you're a terrible person, basically. And by the end, he's... It's, you know, set up to be her secretary going forward, essentially, um, you know, and, and becomes a true believer in, in the power of Jessica Jones to be a real superhero. But anyways, her comment about Pilates, I think is maybe a reference to, um, you know, in the first Avengers when Cap and uh, um, Iron Man, Tony Stark, uh, kind of meet for the first time. They've captured Loki, uh, or they think they've captured Loki, and uh, and you have the first conversation between Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. And Robert Downey Jr. immediately starts picking a fight with uh, <laughs> with Cap. Um, you know, it's a very spry for an old guy kind of thing. Well, what you know, what's your, what's your secret? Pilates, you know. <laughs> so this is great. You know, we've set up Trish as the radio host which would be plenty to set up her personality, her background, and her situation for the whole show. But nope, episode three, we're going to bring on Hope Schlotman to Trisha's radio show. Um, 
and this is important in terms of Trisha's character, is she's always on Jessica's side um, because she loves Jessica. But also she... Oh, there's Reva. The slow tease of Reva flying backwards and what the hell that means. You know, it's obvious the second time when you first see it, you're like, why is she getting blown backwards? But Trisha also agrees with Jessica in terms of her worldview and, and what justice is. Uh, that's why she wants to be like a co-superhero or at least a support character uh, to Jessica. But it's hard to separate the two when you love someone so much. And, and Trish actually goes overboard in this interview uh, in a way that really pushes the plot forward uh, in terms of Kilgrave, as we shall see. <laughs> right? <laughs> he says, you know, I'm looking for drugs or whatever. He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm a bartender in Hell's Kitchen. You know, of course, I know how to get drugs. It's fentanyl. Yeah, I'm not going to get that on the black market. Uh-oh, a shot at the NSA. Yeah, Luke's already hurt by her keeping her distance. Uh, <laughs> and the third time they have sex in this episode. It's great, you know? It just becomes a gag. And each time it's shorter. You don't need to see the, the rough sex. Um, you know, this is, so it's a completely different story. Um, and it completely, you know, and are completely different characters and motivations and so forth. I've been making the Homeland comparison, both as a show, uh, but also between Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones and, uh, Claire Danes as, uh, you know, Carrie Matheson and her, you know, being attracted to Luke and and her inability to stop wanting to sleep with him, but you know, having all these other feelings going on of guilt and horror about what she did to Riva or what she thinks she did to Riva is uh, you know, it's a little reminiscent of um season one of Homeland, where Carrie, um, played by Claire Danes, can't stop her attraction to Damien Lewis's character, Brody, um, even though she suspects and ends up being right that Brody is an undercover terrorist, like a sleeper cell kind of terrorist, uh, she, you know, she can't help her attraction to Brody. And so, you know, Brody, like Luke here, can tell there's something else going on behind those eyes. They're hiding something. Um, now, in this case... You know, Jessica's the one hiding something. Unless Luke is already under control of Kilgrave at this point. I don't think he is. We'll, we'll keep analyzing that throughout this, this uh, show um, season, throughout this, this series. But we'll keep analyzing that throughout the, this first season here about when Kilgrave really controls uh, Luke. So she's the one hiding stuff. In, in Homeland, they're both hiding things, obviously. You know, Damian Lewis is hiding that he's a terrorist or, you know, being told what to do by terrorists. Carrie's hiding her suspicions about him. Uh, you know, the line between, you know, professional work and personal uh, feelings gets all mixed up. And in both cases, the women are truly attracted to the guys, but because of circumstances, it's just ridiculously complicated. And, and this is really a role reversal in a lot of ways, these two characters. Luke is very vulnerable, very sensitive. He, um, you know, he, he never feels like he has a hand with Jessica. She, she's always in, in charge. And that's partly their personalities and partly Jessica's, you know, attitude and personality. He won't know till later, you know, I think an episode or two later why she's being even more, you know, weird than normal. But yeah, her ability to, to look into his eyes here in a genuine uh, and loving way is uh, it's interesting, you know? I mean, is she doing this despite her guilt? Is she doing this because of her guilt? Okay, here we go. One of the great scenes of the series. Right, from prison over Hogarth's cell phone. You got Trish 
interviewing Hope Schlafman. And Trish plus Jessica, who's in studio, which is great, and this is important, with Hogarth and Hope are forming a team here to try and, you know, get Hope on the right side, or, or at least, uh, you know, writer side of, of the narrative being told to the public. And now Carrie Ann Moss, as Hogarth pulls, uh, pulls something. Okay, I'll get back to that. She says, all I f- could feel is this need... He said, wish her a happy birthday, and suddenly that was the only thing I wanted to say. That was the last time I spoke to her. So this is her describing what it feels like to be under Kilgrave's control. Very brave of Hope. Not just to, to you know, <laughs> uh, reveal these feelings, but to do so on, you know, a, a huge New York City radio show. They have to imagine is being also broadcast across the country. It's such an interesting case within the story. It's something uh, you know Americans would be uh, obsessed with. Look at her, Erin Moriarty, just absolutely killing it as she does throughout the series. All right, she has to sell. <sighs> she has to sell that that this you know mind control thing is real to people who don't believe that such a thing is possible. Then why'd you do it? Right, because Kilgrave and me too, which has become a me- uh, a meme, by the way, <laughs> on the internet and elsewhere. Uh, Kilgrave made me do it. Oh, this is awesome! Right, so this is what I was getting to. So Hogarth says, "My client's delusional," you know, which you don't see come in. You know, she's representing this girl, and she's playing two angles here. The first is. You know, if she can't get a plea bargain or get her off, maybe she can get her, you know, off for insanity or whatever, or just being delusional. That's what you think is happening on the surface. And this is a message to Jessica here about if you've had a situation with Kilgrave, please call my office, which starts happening soon. Uh, But that's a shot at Jessica as well, who she knows is listening to come forward. Uh-oh, here, here's Trish getting in trouble. She just hit the condenser mic. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, sick perverted man preying on the hopeless. Terrified of his own weakness, which suggests impotence. Uh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he doesn't want the truth. Then this is going to cause huge problems for Trish in both the near term and the medium to longer term with her uh, creepy, uh, you know, man dude, the cop who tries to kill her with Kilgrave's orders. Well, whatever, we'll get back to him. Right, Jessica does not want Trish in the line of fire. She didn't even want to do this. Oh, oh here's Kilgrave. Here's Kilgrave. Calling into the show. Uh oh, hope, horrified. And of course, he'd be listening because he knows Jessica's going to be there. All right, All right. Dangerous and stupid to insult such a man. It's you know we, we've only seen the back of his head, and now we hear his voice. Oh man, hope. This is like from a movie. This whole scene. I mean, Hope Schlotman in general. This actress, more uh, Air Moriarty. This whole thing could be from a movie. That's the thing. The series feels like a movie, and I keep referring to it like a movie. It, Trish is crying. It's so horrifying. His threats. Jessica's not surprised. Right there it is. Hogarth set you up to defend the crazy ass notion of mind control. And then Trish puts it together. So she would have to. She's so smart. Evil and smart. Uh, you know, it's brilliant by Hogarth. Exactly. You know, Trish is a very popular figure. So to have Trish defending Hope as not delusional, you know, while Hogarth is playing the, uh, <laughs> this is great, while Hogarth is playing the angle of, you know, la- you know, um, you know, last case scenario, worst case scenario, you know, to to, to plead uh, in insanity. Yeah. It's called Whiskey. That's the name of the show. 
Right. So now he, she has to track Trish. Trish is in the crosshairs, as we will say, <laughs> to get some goddamn drugs, says Jessica. You know, Trish already has a fortress in her house, but uh, it's not enough to keep out the bad guys. But, you know, the the one upside, you know, again, watching this for my third time or whatever, of, of what Trish did, other than <laughs> make Kilgrave very angry, and Kilgrave's going to try and kill Trish, <laughs> uh, but, but she accelerated Kilgrave coming forward, you know, which Jessica needed him to come out into the open. Um in order to to really start to go after him. And Trish, for better or worse, accelerated that process. Right? She breaks open her own door. Uh, they took the key from her because she didn't pay her bill for the replaced door. Parliament Street, New Delhi. <laughs> I forget what the New Delhi thing is. Uh... Poor Malcolm. I mean, they really set up um, they really set up Ruben as such a sympathetic character who at first is just a weirdo, but he's the sweetest kid, and so when they off him you know that that tears everybody apart for a while um so <laughs> my beetle collection <laughs> so Jessica has to pretend not to be super strong here she could you know carry him on her back eating her peanut butter that's an ongoing joke as Malcolm going to other people's apartments uh eating peanut butter he likes the crunchy Jessica has the smooth it's a Ruben says, we foil over the windows. Jessica says, why? I don't want to know. <laughs> a little woman. Bowling trophy. She bowls like a dream. Yeah. Yeah. Ruben and uh, Robin. I mean, they're creepy twins, but they love each other. It's it's really convincing. A racist. Oh, is there a little race talk coming up here? Yep. He says, everyone's a little what? Everyone's a little racist. Uh-huh. Make a judgment of someone like Malcolm. Something to overcome. He's so wise. Jessica, yeah, that's the thing. Jessica's giving him the you're weird look, but it's changed to, oh, this kid actually has some real wisdom about life. And this is, you know, Jessica starting to throw people under the bus a little bit to get what she wants. She's using Malcolm in his, in his state and Ruben planted this seed. I mean, this is brilliant. That could have just been, you know, Ruben showing that that he that he's a wise young dude. But nope, plants the seed. Malcolm can help her get into the hospital so she can steal the sufentanil. And you know, Malcolm, as fucked up as he is, gives her a look later like you're a horrible person, even though he just said earlier in the episode that you're a good person, Jessica Jones. The thing is, you know, he's being mind-controlled, so he shouldn't be pissed because she's doing this for everyone, even though she doesn't know that he's mind-controlled yet by Kilgrave. All this is very complicated, right? So how much does she steal? Steals a good amount. It would make sense, actually, that anesthetics um, or, or, you know, anesthesia drugs... Yeah, here's Malcolm giving her the look. She feels horrible. Again, she thinks she's such a worse person than she is. You know? Yeah. She's so hard on herself. This was totally the rational thing to do. He's barely hurt. You know? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The cops. Um, but anyways, it, it would make sense that getting, like, you know, opium uh, and other hardcore painkillers, those would be the really difficult things to get out of hospital. You'd need, like, a security code for that. For anesthesia, you know, I mean, who would think to steal that? You know, you can't really get off on anesthesia. It just knocks you out, you know, unless you went to kill yourself. 
but it's not like a recreational drug. So while it's a controlled substance, I could buy it. <laughs> Trisha's Fortress. Yeah, this is, a, you know, any cop, you know, or thriller, movie, television show, you know, they show a badge. It's like, it's so easy to make a badge in 2015 or 2016 and for, for her to trust, um, trust that. Yeah, Trish is dumb here. This is, this is the last time Trish will make a mistake this big. She learns from this. And even though these two end up together briefly, so he goes from bad guy to good guy to bad guy. Speaking of Damian Lewis, this guy reminds me of a uh, of uh, less subtle, less talented Damian Lewis. If there is a weak spot, just from an acting standpoint, it's probably um, Will Tra- Travel or Traval. Uh, although. You know, he when he goes full psychotic later on, it actually works really well. And you realize that they, they were setting up that uh, with this particular actor's personality. So you never quite buy him as the good guy, but that's the point. She's using Krav God in this guy. It's great. She's beating the shit out of this cop or, or you know, hurting him enough to hold her ground. I think Jessica comes in and saves her, right? So, okay, so both of these actors are Australian. Malcolm is Australian. It's amazing. Three of the top, like, five or six characters are Australian doing American accents. His isn't as good as uh, hers. Rachel Taylor's is, is better. Oh, man, he just body slammed her. Um, but Traval does a good job with the accent. Look, he looks just like Brody there, strangling her. And they do the thing with the eyes that's, oh, yeah, baby. Boom. They you know, they do the thing with the eyes where they make him a little light blue, like with Loki's mind control scepter in the Avengers. He's waiting for me. He goes, right. It's uh it's similar to Terminators, you know, in the sense of you know <laughs> Terminator will only kill civilians or non combatants if they get in the way. You know, but if you're not the target, but you start getting in the way of the Terminator, then they have to dispatch you and then go after the target. And so that's why he's, you know, he'll push Jessica away, try to kill Trish. Oh, this is great. I t- uh, this is an awesome, awesome move that she uses the Sifantanil on, uh, on Trish. So she looks and appears dead, beautiful, brilliant Jessica. And again, we introduced the Sufantino. We introduced that Jessica knows how to use it, that it has multiple uses. Yeah. Oh, right. Does she, she put? Uh, she puts the uh, phone. Oh, uh, right. Kelgrave told uh, told the cop to tell Jessica it's not your time. So right, she so got the GPS tracking, which they set up. It's now in the back pocket of uh, <laughs> of. Um, I don't always forget his name of Will because his real name is Will and in the show it's Will Will Simpson that's always fun uh, she uses the phone GPS trick a few times in the show I believe and this is great right? she should have a bluetooth piece nope she's using like iPhone headphones with one in and one out if you've ever tried with earbuds to have one in one out and walk quickly even if they're good, they they'll fall out. But man, those iPhone <laughs> headphones are so slippery. They know, you know, the sound is great, but it can't stay in your ears. So she's running around New York with her crappy iPhone headphones. Hope it doesn't fall out. Like completely, you know, conspicuous. It's great. She's got the giant iPhone, you know, six plus or whatever, and the earbuds. That that you know, you've got Tony Stark with the Iron Man suit in an army of you know. <laughs> of the Iron Legion or whatever they call it. Um, and she's got a giant iPhone and earbuds in her brain. Actually, I think Tony Stark would be quite uh, impressed by her brain. Trish Walker is dead. So this is the um, part where we learn that 
once the task is complete, so there was there was three tasks here. One was to kill Trish. The second was to um, give Jessica a message or send Jessica a message. It's not your time. And the third is to show us <laughs> the slow reveal of Kilgrave Ginger Twat. Yeah, this is this is where you start being like, are they going to make this horrible rapist guy funny? And if indeed he is funny. Oh, right. I uh, always forget about this. Anyway, so the third thing was to show us that once the person thinks the task is complete, they leave, like with the Terminator. We see this in Terminator. Terminators think they kill someone, and they stop. You know, that's the programming. Now, he has... He's going to have Will Simpson here jump off the roof to destroy the evidence, I suppose. Now, I'm not sure how this is a good move, considering the cops will be directly below where Kilgrave is, but, yeah, that's how Kilgrave operates. Oh, and this is where we see that she can fly, quote-unquote, without seeing it. And this is a very superhero thing to do, you know? Which is to... Oh, there it is. Boom. There's Kilgrave. David Tennant. Man, is he good. Directly to the flashback. And here we see it. Take care of her. Reva. We don't know why. We find out later why Reva has to go. And boom. Oh. Right to the sternum. Oh, man. She flies back like 30 feet. She's still flying back. Yeah. It, it was important to see the the full extent of Jessica's powers. You know, what she could do with a single punch with all her force behind it. And that might not even be, be the full force. Just enough to kill her. Um, because, you know, normally when she's brawling, she's trying to just knock guys out or get them out of the way and not kill them. Leave her be, let's go. Jessica walks away. So this is the... Revel- the um, so this is the full revelation of the flashback that changed everything. That happens before the series, and that sets up the whole series. We can see the look on Jessica's face. So I mentioned in episode one or two commentary that when we see the full one here, I was already piecing it together. And I think they, right, get back here, Jessica, her being horrified by it, walking away from him. I was sort of starting to to piece together that she was suspecting already in the quote-unquote present that she might have some resistance to this guy. They're still looking at each other. Will's going to try and walk off the roof again. <laughs> yeah, Kilgrave's loving it. That's the thing. He, uh, yeah. he loves Jessica, but if he can't have her, then, then he's going to make her miserable. Knocks him out. Kilgrave's gone. And that's the thing. He was going to have the officer, you know, step off the roof and then leave. Because he can, you know, live in any house he wants to, as we've already seen a couple times. Mind controlled the owners of the house. This is a beautiful apartment. I love this uh, this setup here with the huge windows and the glass um, on the uh, the stairs and the walls. Get a lot of cool lighting and reflection stuff going, transparency. Now, we learn later that uh, Kilgrave put it together much earlier than Jessica that she's resistant. And so he is afraid of her, although he doesn't truly become afraid of her until he realizes that she realizes that she is free of him. As long as she thinks she can be controlled by him, he has the upper hand psychologically, obviously. Um, but when you watch the series and then come back to it, you uh, you can see little little notes of, of fear in the in the facial gestures of of Kilgrave, and then you find out why she's free. Because telepaths can tell if they can get into someone's mind or not, you know. <laughs> the best example of this is uh, Emma Frost um, and uh, Professor X, Charles Xavier, in um, 
X-Men first class. You've got really strong competing telepaths. And they can sometimes get into people's heads or they get blocked out. Emma turns to Diamond. You can't get in her head. She can block, um, you know, uh, Professor X, played by James McAvoy. But people who are not telepaths obviously can't sense that. Which is why the Kilgrave model um, of... Uh, oh, I forgot there was so much action in this. This is great. He's, she's kicking everyone's ass. Um, which the Kilgrave model of, of of telepathy is awesome because, you know, people do remember. Not only do they remember what happens and and remember uh, being compelled to do it, but they also know while it's happening what they're doing and they can't stop themselves. It's it's much different than other uh, you know telepathic you know models in the comics, as far as I can tell. We also learned that there's a 12-hour time limit, and so he needs to, you know, the people who are really working for him, like Malcolm and others, needs to uh, keep re-upping, you know, being controlled. And we find out, well, if it's 12 hours, but Malcolm's only seeing him once a day, this is jumping forward a bit, um, then, you know, how does he keep Malcolm under control? We find out it's because... He's made him into a junkie to cover the other 12 hours that, that Kilgrave can't be there to re-mind control him, if you will. It's great that there's a duration. It's task-based. You know, once you finish your task, it's not that you're free, but you need to wait instructions. I forgot this whole part, how much time they spent in this apartment. What, does she think he's still here? This is great filming. Just the right level of lighting. Here comes a little ambient music. All right, this is the stalker room. Yep. And he wants her to see this. You know, so the physical picture is that Malcolm's taking. It makes no sense. And later he forces her to send him daily selfies, basically, which is a great device. Um, it's interesting to think whether the printing of the pictures, you know, is purely to fuck with Jessica's mind here but by having her visit this room. That's awesome. I love that. The one that's like, yeah, it's made of, you know, 25 pieces of uh, of paper or whatever of her face. Seeing the real Jessica juxtaposed on that. So, yeah, what's what's he printing all these things out for? Does you know, doesn't he have an iPhone? Uh, I guess he's uh, he's old school. He likes the the physicality of photos. Right, so at this point, uh, see you later. Yeah, it's all just to fuck with her. At this point, it's hard to know which things are, you know, disturbing Jessica more. The mind control, the stalking. Oh, wow. Uh, They don't even show it. Somehow he saves her. Somehow she saves him. Yeah. Why did I... You jumped off the roof. I caught you. <laughs> uh, I fell with you. We both survived. This is great. Yeah. yeah. So he's still under Kilgrave's spell, but because he thinks Trish is dead and Jessica's not you know, letting him know that she's not dead. He's not a threat for now. Forget this ever happened. Or maybe maybe he's off the spell at this point after being knocked unconscious. Yeah, he's out of the spell. But Jessica can't risk telling him. You're confused. You didn't do it. No one died. Nothing happened. Yeah, she, she's bouncing a lot of balls right now. All right, juggling a lot of balls, I should say. And, uh, 
you know, it, it the whole victim situation thing it, it is really way more compelling in this show because you think it's just going to be about women and rape and abuse or whatever. But, you know, he has as many male victims, if not more, um, as female victims, like Officer Simpson. And, uh, you know, him, Simpson being a victim and Trish being a victim, you know, he's sort of creeping on Trish later, but Trish knows what he went through, you know, which is what makes their brief romance possible because of Jessica. She knows about Kilgrave. It's all tied up. It's crazy. I think Luke right here maybe. Mind control. Yeah, he says, feels right to me. Yeah, they're a great couple. Luke knows it. Jessica can't see it or doesn't want to. Can't handle a dead wife. He has no idea how right that is. He's always hurt by Jessica's lack of commitment. Do what you gotta do. Yeah, he's bulletproof, but his heart is not bulletproof. Yeah, Jessica is the first person he's really cared about and connected with since Reva died. And, you know, the Reva connection, which we won't find out about for a little while, is, uh, you know, is perfectly, um, you know, it's perfectly believable within the scenario. But, uh, yeah, this is a very, despite all the action, there's a lot of introspection in this, in this episode. And, uh, right. So, you know, Jessica has the photo. That's where she was spying on Luke, which now she realized she was being spied on, spying on Luke. Who's taking the pictures. This sets up the Malcolm storyline for the next episode. Boom. All right, people, another great episode. Uh, Join me next for... Season 1, Episode 4, a.k.a. 99 Friends.